Her name was Danielle. But to her neighbors, she was known only as the girl in the window. She was found by the police in a room, curled up on a moldy mattress, covered in bugs, wearing a swollen diaper. She couldn't talk and she couldn't walk. She had lived her first seven years alone in a dark room, never seeing the sun, only drinking from a bottle. The officers that found her were never able to forget her or the day that they found her. One actually suffered from post-traumatic stress or disorder because of that day. Relationships are designed by God to be treasured. Clearly, all Danielle had ever known was neglect beyond comprehension. Today, we're starting a new series on relationships. And it's actually called Four Valuable Treasures. There's going to be a four-week series. I'm handling the treasure of relationships, <laughs> which is really difficult because I'm in a church where relationships are amazing. Amen. I'm kind of up here preaching to the choir, folks, <laughs> so <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> I mean, after the service, it's like, Come on, it's like two o'clock. <laughs> Someone's got to eat lunch here. Not really. We love, we love the unity and relationships in this church. Don't get me wrong. Great relationships don't magically materialize out of thin air. They're like buried treasure and they take time and work. Does anyone here watch Oak Island? Show of hands. Yeah, I never got into it. <laughs> and, no <laughs> and nobody's copping to it, obviously. <laughs> but if you do, then you understand what I mean, that you have to invest time to discover treasure. Well, the same is true for relationships. You have to invest time to develop great relationships. I mean, it took time for us to get as close and unified as we, as we are here. I've been here since the beginning, 2018, and I've watched how this family has grown over the five years, and it's just blessed my heart beyond anything I could ask or imagine. It's just such a God thing. It's such a God thing. But you also have to be willing to extend trust and show love. Anthony D'Angelo said, treasure your relationships, not your possessions. I'm going to say that again. That's worth repeating. Treasure your relationships not your possessions. Tr 
truer words were seldom spoken. Our scripture for this series, so this is the four-part series, is in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. There the desires of your heart will also be. Let's jump right in with the relationship of the treasure of investing time. Our scripture for this topic will naturally be what Jesus refers to as the most important commandment, and it's found in Mark 12, 28 to 31. So it'll be up here on the screen. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So he didn't say you must love the Lord with some of your heart, some of your strength, some of your mind, and just a little bit of your soul, whatever you got left over after a hard day of work, did he? No, he said all. He's an all or nothing God, is he not? Amen? Jesus is a world-class leader when it comes to relationship building. A world-class leader. There was nothing casual about his relationship with his disciples. They ate together, they camped together, played together, laughed together, and they cried together. They were rarely apart, except for when Jesus went off by himself to pray, and he sent them off two by two on a mission trip. So for three years, they were hanging out in each other's back pockets. He knows all about generously investing quality time. He knows all about it. So if you're having trouble with relationships, where do you go? Self-help books? Eh, wrong. You go straight to Jesus, because he knows all about it. Remember when Martha came to Jesus all in a flat? Because Mary wasn't pulling her weight in the kitchen? His response was relational. Martha, Martha, he cajoled. Mary has chosen the right thing. 
Mary had chosen to deepen her relationship with Jesus over putting on a show for dinner. What about us? Would we be the same? Would we choose deepening our relationship with Jesus over putting on a show for dinner? I would hope so. I would hope so. Can we say that we generously invest time in our relationship with God? Jesus really knew the disciples. He knit them together. It's right in Psalm 139. These were not strangers to him. They were not strangers. He didn't have to spend time with them to get to know them. Get to know them. They're not strangers. So why spend that much quality time with them? He wants them to know him as they are known by him. At a deeply personal and intimate level. So he generously invested significant time in them because he wants them to know him as they are known by him. You see, the longer the time we invest in our relationship with Jesus, the better we get to know him. The more time we spend in his presence, it's like, think of your best friend. The more time you spend with them, the more you get to look and act like them. <laughs> I know, if you have a dog with really long ears, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, t- I'm talking about if you're really good, good best friends with somebody, you get to act like them. You start to use their colloquialisms, talk like them, walk like them. What's well, the same with Jesus, the longer you spend in his presence, you'll begin to talk like him and act like him. And that's God's purpose for our lives, is that we become like Jesus. But that's not going to happen if we just kind of give him a high five in the morning and do a 15-minute devotional, is it? We need to sit and listen to him and and commune with them and talk with them. Soren Kierkegaard, the the Danish philosopher from the 19th century, puts it this way. I found I had less and less to say until finally I became silent and began to listen. I discovered in the silence the voice of God. There's a loaded statement. I found I had less and less to say until finally I became silent and began to listen. I discovered in the silence the voice of God. There is tremendous wisdom in that quote. You know, the, when I was doing my courses, and I'm done! Yeah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's okay, it just kind of fell right out there. 
Um, when I was doing my courses, the district board of ministerial, I had to meet with them 11 years in a row. Anyway, they asked me one time, what have you learned from all these courses? And I said, I've learned exactly how much I don't know. That's, that's what I've learned, just how much I don't know. And I think that's what we learn when we sit silently in the presence of God. We learn exactly how much we don't know about our Father in heaven and how much he wants us to know about him because we zip it and we can hear him. We can hear him. The less I speak in God's presence, the better my time with him is. It's not easy because my mind wants to wander. I know I'm not the only one here who has a mind that wants to wander. But when I intentionally focus on him and I'm hearing his voice, then I come away with fresh perspective and renewed faith. It's like a breath of fresh air when I, when I intentionally focus, when I push those things away that are trying to take my attention. And I say, that's it. I'm not paying attention to that. I'm going to focus in on God. Then I come away with a renewed faith. We must also learn to treasure our relationships with others. And this includes, wait for it, our enemies. I knew you'd love that one. Our friends and families, and this is a drum I've beat before. Our friends and families have been somewhat swallowed up in the wave of technology that has swept the nation. And I know I've beaten this drum before. I know I have. But I can't be the only ones who's, who's noticed. Just the other day, I was at the Numina serving Big Stop. Watched an entire family having lunch. Not a word was spoken. All on their phones. Not a word. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe. If I am, please leave me. I'm okay with it. But when Dan and I are out for lunch, the phones don't come out to play. We just don't. Because one of us would get hurt. <laughs> we actually converse back and forth. I had a sign at home that said this. The internet went down the other day, so I had to talk to my family. They're actually pretty nice people. Also, with seven days a week shopping availability, the family day has been swallowed up by hanging out at the mall instead of other family activities. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have. Now, not all families are guilty of this, I'm not saying that, but many are. I was talking to one of the shopkeepers in the Halifax shopping mall, and she said, 
<laughs> Sunday has, be, has become screaming kid day. She hates it. She said, they don't want to be here. But the parents are dragging these kids through the mall. They're screaming. And the parents are looking for things they can no more afford on Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday than they can on Sunday. Because they're not making any more money. They're just one extra day at the mall. I fear that we are losing our relationship skills over time to technology, to just passive activities instead of conversing with one another, instead of spending quality time together. I love New Hope huddles. I love them. I don't know if you belong to one, but the entire time we're together every week, it's about relationship building. Like Jesus and the disciples, we play together, we pray together, we learn together, and we break bread together. That's the really good part, by the way. We've got some great cooks in our huddle. Now, investing time in treasuring our enemies is probably one of the most difficult things we're called to do as Christians. I always look to Jesus for how to treat people because this was a tough one for me. So how did he treat his enemies? He did not ignore them, nor did he waste his time trying to develop friendships with toxic debaters or harmful gossips. Did you ever notice that about him? He actually let people walk away, or he would even send them away. Does that surprise you? But here's the thing. What he did do was he loved them enough to call them out on their bad behavior. That's tough. I think we call it tough love. He was not one to say, eh, that's just Fred the Pharisee. You know, he's just like that. We'll just let him stay that way. No, he calls them a brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs, Greedy and self-indulgent. Does that sound like he's trying to build a friendship? <laughs> I'm saying, thinking that's not a real good start. He loves them too much to let them continue in their sin. Now that's real love. That's real love. And I've followed in his footsteps in this way. And let me tell you, it was hard and heartbreaking when I corrected someone who was toxic to me. I did not enjoy it, and neither should I have. I did not enjoy it. And my prayer is that this person will find healing for their troubled soul because I cared enough to call them out on their toxic behavior. 
The time I invest for them now is in prayer. Do I ignore them when I see them? Absolutely not. If they needed something, would I be there? I most certainly would. They are still related to me in Christ Jesus. So yes, I would be there for them. When it comes to investing time in relationships, I love this quote by A.A. Milne. If you live to be 100, I want to live to be 100 minus one day, so I never have to live without you. I love that. That sounds like something Winnie the Pooh would say. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better, wonderful, if we saw all of our relationships in this light? Well, we have discovered that to treasure our relationships, we need to generously invest time. Now we'll look at generously extending trust. And I have a wee surprise for you here, too. Our scripture can be found in Psalm 118.8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Excuse me, Pastor? What did you just say? It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Hmm. This, these seem like pretty tough words, but the Bible warns us repeatedly that we are to trust in God and God alone. We are to trust in God and God alone. When I was in Africa several years ago, our team was participating in a prayer walk. We had a guide who was a lovely Christian woman. Her name was Mary. And she was supposed to take us to a, a small village to pray with the people. Now, it seemed like we'd been walking for quite a while, and I was getting a little unsettled in my spirit. Even the street dogs seemed to be getting a little meaner, you know, like one closed eye and half an ear and growling a little worse than when we started our walk. There was a young African boy and he knew just enough English to tell me that we had wandered into a very dangerous village. A very dangerous village. He was very scared. So <laughs> we also noticed Mary had disappeared. Okay, this is not looking good for us. So we turned around quickly and headed back to the bus. It was a very close call. Turns out Mary had been threatened by some very bad people. And they had coerced her in, uh, into leading us into a trap. Mm -hmm. But God prevailed and we returned home safely. It was a very close call. So, trust in God and God alone. The treasure of how we live can be found in how we trust God. How about Proverbs 3, 5 to 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This verse sums it up in a neat little package. There is nothing that we can't trust God with or for. Nothing. He is our protector, provider, and our peace. When I have a decision to make, I can trust him. The scripture says to seek his will in all you do, not just the big stuff, but all. When I'm in trouble, I can trust him. When I need protection, he's there. When I'm worried, I can trust him. When I need his shalom peace, he's there. Believe me, I've tried him over and over and over, and he's never let me down, not once. He is trustworthy. William Paul Young says, trust is the fruit of a relationship in which you know you are loved. Are we loved by God? Okay, I was going to get the super soaker out. <laughs> I do want to add that I have friends that I trust. I do want to add that. But I recognize that, like me, they are human and fallible. I don't ever put it on them that I completely trust them to be perfect because I know they're not and I know that I'm not. Only God is perfectly trustworthy because only God is perfect. So that's my little caveat emptor there. So generosity in relationships are about investing time and in our relationship with God about extending trust. So now we're going to look at generosity and showing love. Our scripture is from Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. All Danielle had on that day she was found was a name and nothing else until she was adopted by Bernie LaRoe and his wife Diane in 2007. They were determined to make up for the nearly seven years of devastating neglect that Danny had suffered. The LaRoes fought the good fight for 10 years. But some giants just can't be slain. It cost them their marriage, and Danny now lives in a group home. Bernie still considers Danny his little girl and visits as often as he can. A true picture of sacrificial love. A true picture. Danny still doesn't communicate well, but her favorite pastimes are going out in the sunshine. Imagine. <laughs> and twirling Mardi Gras beads around her neck and she loves kids' toys. 
Will she ever know how much she is loved or how much was sacrificed to get her where she is? I doubt it. I doubt it. When we consider Christ's sacrificial love for us and how he knew us by name as he hung on the cross, it has to transform us. It has to. He knew us by name as he hung on the cross. John 15, 13 sums it up beautifully. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There really is no greater love than God's love for us. There isn't. Now here's the catch. God's word tells us to love one another as Christ loved us. We can find this in John 13, 34. Christ pulled out all the stops in his love for us. How generous are we in our love for God and others? How generous are we? God doesn't seek a casual relationship with his children. He's looking for all in, no holds barred, shields down, let's do this relationships. That's what he's looking for. Quite frankly, if we want God's best for our lives, then we must give our best to him. Amen? Yeah. The best friendships I have are the ones that I'm willing to pour myself, in, myself into, where I seek to understand and I'm willing to listen wholeheartedly. And should the day come that I need to extend sacrificial love, I know without a doubt I would not hesitate. Paul Tillich says this about that. The first duty of love is to listen. The first duty of love is to listen. It's probably why God gave us two ears and one mouth. I'm just saying. This morning we have explored the treasure of relationships and how generosity and investing time, extending trust, and showing love in our relationships with God and others is key. God wants a relationship with us, not religionship. He wants a relationship. And he wants to have us to have healthy relationships that we treasure with one another. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you are a God of relationships and not a God of religion. Thank you that you um, sent your son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here today who does not have that relationship yet, that, Lord, this would be their day, that they would speak to either Pastor Dave or myself, and, and just make that one great step that will change their life forever. Um, I thank you, Father, for these people and for the relationships that we have with one another. You are a good, good Father. And I thank you in Christ's name. Amen.